my name is Tim. I'm Dancy. And I'm Herfie Dorfy. And this is Go Mode, a link to the past randomizer podcast. So qualifiers have concluded. Hang on. Uh, so guys, hey, if you want to go ahead and... Are we... There's, there's no intro? Like, we don't have to do any jokes this time? We're not doing a bit this time? Uh, you know, I... I don't know. The the last few bits that we've done, I, I don't know how, how successful or funny they've been. So I, I made the executive decision. I decided we're just going to we, we're gonna cut it from now on. So, okay. Um, no no intros, just straight into the news. I'm proud of All right. it. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> you, you guys like this? This is what you like? Sure. We like our structure. I mean, you know me, German efficiency, straight to the point. No need to screw around. Just get to the point, my man. Yeah, so just straight into the news. Yeah, if if we I think okay. we, if we did it Herf's way, every episode would be about twenty minutes total. <laughs> like we just hit hit the high points and like salute, and we're done. Like that's it. Um, okay. So qualifiers have concluded, and um, we uh, we're just gonna take a look at the. Ah, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I I, I gotta just say dumb shit. I can't I can't be on task like that. I have to start it by just being a dumb idiot for I don't know, two, three, four minutes at the beginning here, and then I'm ready to talk about Rando. All right. But you know what? The good news is we've done that. We just did it. So the the, the thing is I can respect that uh you admit that it, it you have to do it. Like it, it's not something we can just let go of. Yeah, okay. In all honesty, like would it not be so strange? Like I gave you a sample at the beginning of this episode. Was that not weird? I mean, uh, I won't call it weird. I call it different. I definitely think it's a different feel, but I can also respect and understand that, you know, the BSing around at the start is a little bit of getting settled into the whole thing, you know, it gives you the feel of, all right, we're doing this. So I can totally understand that. Yeah, you know, I just like to shoot the shit with you guys. It's, it, it's like doing escape at the beginning of a standard qualifier. And <laughs> it you, get, is. you get a you get a warm up. I know several runners that enjoy that. So, uh, you know, this is our warm up, right? This is our escape into our main topic and news, I guess. I I brought it full circle for us. Um, no, I love that. That's that's great. That's exactly what it is. And what an incredible segue too into talking about the main tournament qualifiers, which of course are run on hard standard mode. So we've got a couple of those left, and then uh, they are finished uh, as as we're recording this on April the tenth. Uh, by the time you hear this, qualifiers are over, and you have an exact picture of who the final people in the uh, main tournament will be. For the rest of us, it's pretty much set. Uh, one thing that is set, uh, and we have to turn, I'm turning slightly to my left, to my friend Dante and extending a huge congratulations on being ranked number one at the end of these qualifiers. That's incredible. That's, that's an incredible feat. <laughs> yeah, good For job, me, man. It, uh, yeah, qualifiers, I think that is, you know, we talk about quantifying skill a lot on this show, and I think when you give one seed to a group of the best people to do it right now and see how they stack up and you do that five random times and then there's a person who's at the top after you do that that seems to me like the best rando player i, I can't think of a better way to sort it out so gg's to you it's, this is huge oh thanks i i don't like quantifying that as 
like the best rando player. Uh, I, I said this in like in Andy's chat because uh, we were talking and he said something about, you know, grats on being number one. And uh, my, my whole thought was like, you know, when the tournament's over, no one remembers who the one seed was. No one remembers who the 52nd seed was. Uh, no one remembers who finished, you know, 25th. Uh, they, they remember the winner. And that's, you know, obviously being a one seed can give you potentially a good um, a good placement. So that that's potentially great. But, at, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about now we finish quals, we're going into group stage and then brackets after that. So it's about, I guess, staying alive and still advancing. But uh, but yeah, yeah. like I, I just feel basically what everyone's called me. Uh, I, I feel very extremely lucky. I feel that uh, I put a note here and I'll, I'll read it verbatim that I have a butthole full of four leaf clovers at the moment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what tell, walk us through the fifth qualifier, because it was a pretty unique experience through which you got the first place. On, so on that one. the fifth qualifier, I, I knew I had nothing to lose. Like, I think at worst I could have like dropped to a three seed if like Blaine had done another one and, you know, got a really good score. And. I was guaranteed first quartile, so that wasn't a big deal, and I, I was worried I was going to actually have time to get a fifth, and I, I was kind of at a point where I, I had done some stupid stuff early, got a flute that led to nothing in you know a pod and eastern dive, and then I just said, you know what, I can do Swamp Palace, and every time I've had qualifiers, there's been one seed where Hookless Swamp like had something, so I thought... I, I, I remember the thought that went through my mind when I went back in the mirror portal and started walking into swamp and it was uh, second isn't going to be so bad. And then <laughs> and then Quake showed up and I was like, OK, now my anxiety goes higher because that gets me into Meyer. And then the hook showed up in oh, Meyer. Wow, and <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the hook showed up in Meyer and like I almost dropped my controller and was just like. <laughs> Okay, like in I had I had a lot left I could have done in some of the overworld. So if if my tournament life would have been on the line there, like a 1v1 or a qualifier where I needed just a decent score to stay in the top 128, there's honestly zero chance I go into swamp there. Sure. So it yeah. was I, I just felt like it was kind of what we talked about a little bit last episode that Absolutely. I was willing to stake that particular race on that because I, I literally had nothing to lose. And that's that's the downfall with qualifiers is that sometimes you're going to have people who think maybe they can't get in to the top 128 and they're going to do something like this a lot. And then sometimes it's going to really skew a qualifier. Mm. Um, so like I, I don't think it was a big brain play. I don't think it was a skillful play. I think it honestly was an objectively bad play and it just panned out this time. So I, I was fully expecting to be done. Like with the DNF, I was going to forfeit after, you know, someone finished and I was nowhere near done. So, uh, then that, that happened and I was just kind of like shaking like, okay, well that's, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Well, uh, congrats to you again on the, other side of things <laughs> way down at the bottom of the qualifier list um i have been participating in these qualifiers i've done four of them i've won tomorrow and that'll be the final one and my fifth and um it started out on a high note the first qualifier i did was good turns out that one was the outlier 
uh, because the next two were, were both pretty bad. And then my fourth qualifier was last Monday or the Monday after last or Monday before last. Um, and I go mode came up at like 40 minutes. I was like, whoa, okay, let's, let's go. Like I was shocked to learn that I was in go mode, uh, because I, you know, was, I felt like I still needed to be collecting items, but it was like, well, okay. Uh, swamp Meyer and turtle rock are all pendants and I don't need a bunch of stuff that you normally need. Uh, so let's go. Um, including no boots, no, uh, red cane, you know, it was, it was wild. And, uh, I learned how many continues Timp brings into a standard hard qualifier oh, seat. No. And <laughs> it's three. Because after the fourth time that he dies, he's it's game over for Timp. He's done. <laughs> That's what I learned. Uh, so I was at about 115 uh, on my Ganon climb. I died in the room before Aga 2 because I didn't have boots. You really take for granted how many strats use the boots until you don't have the boots and you can't do all of those strats now. It really made Ganon's Tower so much harder. Of course, you've got the green mail, so everything's doing like four hearts of damage. Um, I had nothing in bottles, no safeties. It was so it was it was tough. Um and I died uh yeah in the room before Aga 2 and then I climbed up again. And I died in the Landmo 2 fight and I just cut everything. I just I, I turned off the stream. I turned off the the delay. I just I just like walked away. And uh, I would say probably about three minutes later, I I fiercely regretted doing that. And it, it really has stuck with me all week. Uh, how disappointed I am that I just like stormed off like that. If I would have kept going, like you know, went out and activated the flute and got. Uh, you know, some potion in a bottle and went back up there. I probably could have got like a 135 or like a 140 at the most, which is still a pretty good time. Uh, but I just got like so tilted and so mad um, that I had to just walk away. And, and I really regret doing that. And I think that was an important lesson that I'll hopefully kind of hang on to. One of my resolutions this year was going to be to try to qualify in the top, you know, 100 or whatever. And like, uh, of course that couldn't happen when you're just going to forfeit, you know, and you've already had two really bad seeds. So I really shot myself in the foot. I really regret that. And uh, I haven't played since. So that's where I'm at. Oh, no, well, uh, you need to play the, more. On the other hand, I would personally say that if you're already feeling super tilted and you're not having fun anymore, I don't think there's really anything to like be disappointed or regretful about from just walking away. I mean, you know, it might feel like a, an impulsive decision and maybe like a wrong decision afterwards, after you've had some time to cool down and everything. But if you imagine yourself continuing to play after you've been that tilted, I don't really think the result would have been to your satisfaction in any way. And I feel like I would have been less disappointed than I ended up being. Yeah, know? maybe. But like, you know, if you're already tilted and you force yourself to continue playing, who knows how many more times you would have died to like really stupid stuff that you normally never die to just because you're so like, you know, outraged and mad at the seed and mad at yourself and mad at everything that's happened. I, I don't really think, you know, maybe, in, especially in a qualifier like this, Maybe you can take like a minute or two to just walk away, let everything go, just leave it on the pause screen, go take a pee break or do whatever, calm yourself down a little bit and then continue playing. But overall, I, I don't really think you should feel too bad about just cutting it all. Because as I said, if you force yourself to continue playing when you're already that tilted, it's probably not going to end too well. Yeah. 
I yeah. normally totally agree with you when it comes to like walking away when you're not having a good time. Uh, and that is why I did that. But I, looking back, I think, you know, when you make the decision to try to go faster and be better and be good at this game and, you know, um, like really try to take the next level and practice and things like that, like I occasionally do and, and like a lot of people do, there has to be a time when it's like, okay, this is do or die, you know, like this is not a good time to forfeit. This is this is an important time for you to continue to keep playing and uh, finish out the seed because the last two were really bad and I did finish those out for whatever reason, so... Um, yeah, let me, let me put a couple spins on this, uh, from your perspective. So I agree with her, uh, in the sense of we're playing a video game. If you are not having fun, there's, there's no shame in, you know, just saying, all right, DNF, I'm done and I'm going to get on with my life. No big deal. Like I, I, I don't fault people for doing that. Uh, I do sometimes when it becomes habitual, but Mm -hmm. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's like, you know, whatever it, it, life happens, uh, stuff happens in games too. So I I don't really see a problem with that. Another spin to put on it would be sometimes when I get like, like that, I remember that probably in the 2018 qualifiers, um, you know, I I had some bad times. I was still a, a newer player and Mm -hmm. it became a, okay, can I mentally, corral myself back in just to finish not to be not to finish well not to finish you know high up but I need to corral myself in mentally and bring it home just to say I got through this trial so that's not the you know that's not something everyone can do or not saying that I'm good that that was probably a bad way to phrase that but like it's not something everyone would want to do I guess is the way to say that so no, yeah, that that's what I failed to do, I would say. And that is the lesson that I've taken is that like, even though you might get heated and feel like what you want to do is quit, I think ultimately it's better. I, I think for me, at least looking back, I will feel better having finished the seed than quitting in a situation like that one. Right. If you had the time to do it and, you know, it was a priority. Yeah. And if it was a priority for you. Then yeah, maybe next time something like that comes up, you you try to do it. But you know, I know you're in the same boat I've been in. You know, having you know a baby, so it's like if if something else is more pressing, you know, and you're trying to make time to do the the race, then at that point, you know, what, what's more important? And we we all know right. what the answer is in that case. If it's like this or that, and it can't be both, so. Um, you know, yeah. that's always something to keep in mind. And I do, we, we kind of glanced over this. We were talking about the one seed. I, I have to shout out Aerie because mm. Aerie also, I, I talked to some friends about this and it was like, right now, Aerie and myself are having the runs of our lives. And, <laughs> uh, unfortunately one of us isn't going to be at the top. So, you know, if someone on paper deserved it, I have to say it would have been Aerie just because we know how good he is at this game and yep. everything. So it was like, man, I was like, I'm, I'm having the runs of my life. I'm making the decisions of my life. And Aerie still clinched out, you know, being above me after his five. And I, I think I had to score something ridiculous. So it, it, it's pure happenstance that I'm the one seed. And I don't think it makes or breaks me. And just like with you quitting out temp and saying you didn't meet your goal of top 100 potentially, 
I, I don't think that makes or breaks you as a person either. I've said that before on the podcast. So just keep keep grinding, baby, and and doing mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I will say one thing that I was very proud of is in the my second and third qualifiers, they were both mostly bootsless seeds, and I got in a position where I could have heropotted, but I normally do the uh, spin speed version. So I was like, well, I guess that's out. I learned it at one point, but then I forgot it. So the morning of the fourth qualifier uh, during lunch, I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to learn it, relearn it real quick. It's only going to take a second. Dracarys has got that video. I'll link it in the description. It's 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 easy to do. It's no big deal. So I learned it. And then it did, in fact, come up in that fourth qualifier. And I got it first try. And awesome. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like so psyched. Uh, so it wasn't all bad. But um, yeah. Cool. Okay. And then, uh, Herf, I understand you've been enjoying some pretty good sandwiches lately. <laughs> yeah. My cool. uh, my qualifier life has been eating some very good sandwiches. I, I have one that I linked to you guys, and apparently it looked good enough to make it into the outline of this episode. Yeah, I, uh, I added this because I thought it was very important. It, it, that sandwich looked really good. <laughs> it did look good. It was, it was delicious. Good. It was uh, ham, cheese, uh, lettuce... Cucumber, tomato, mayo, and some sort of special sauce that I'm not sure what it was, but it was great. And uh, it had curly fries with it, and it was it was great. I, I thoroughly yeah, enjoyed those curly it. fries. Those caught my eye mm-hmm. for sure. Cool. Okay. Well, a uh, huge yeah. Congrats to everybody who's been participating in the qualifiers. Uh, I know a lot of you, like me, will be very excited to get into challenge cup territory where we don't have to just be wearing green mail all the time uh i look forward to seeing many of you there i'm, I'm excited about it hey everybody tuesday temp here hope you don't mind the interruption and i gotta keep my voice down a little because i got a baby strapped to my chest can you say hi noah say hi she's way too young to be speaking yet so i don't know what i was expecting there god could you imagine if she would have answered Anyway, uh, I figured this was as good a time as I need to add a little more info about the Challenge Cup since qualifiers are now officially over for the main tourney. That means that registration for the Challenge Cup is now open. So as a uh, quick reminder, this is meant to be sort of an alternative tournament for folks who didn't qualify for the main tournament, and the mode run will be just regular standard instead of standard hard. You have until this Saturday to register, so check the link in the description and get in there if you want to compete. I'm already signed up and I will see you there. Also, one more quick mention of an upcoming tournament. Former mentor tournament racer Kaysden is hosting a small, somewhat informal async light speed tournament starting tentatively on May 9th. So light speed is that mode where it's just light world, right? So you get three pendants, check pad, kill Aga, then get the item on pyramid and that's time. And this tournament is async, meaning the races aren't live. You just race it whenever you have time and compare your time to your opponents afterwards. So yeah, that sounds like it should be a good time. I put a link to Kaysden's Light World Tourney Discord in the description, so go check that out if you're interested. Nella, how was that? Did you do good? Do you have anything you wanted to add? She's two months. All right, Tuesday tip out. Yeah, the, the last thing I want to say about this, and I, I know there's been some division, I guess, amongst people who have played these qualifiers, but personally, as someone who's not very great at rando, and especially now where I'm like extremely rusty, I feel like it can't really be understand, uh, understated how much difficulty the hard item pool adds to someone who just casually plays this game. 
you know, just as you were saying, having green mail all the time, uh, a lot of the qualifiers came down to either spending time looking for the third sword or doing or dealing with a master sword, Silverless Ganon, which, you know, people generally know how to do, but it's still not something everyone is super comfortable with. And yeah, it's just, you know, I think the switch to the hard item pool really made a big difference for a lot of people who maybe expected to be like, yeah, all right, I might not be, you know, in the first quartile or maybe not even in the second one, but I can definitely make top 128. And then it turns out if you have to walk everywhere with green mail and you're on eight hearts and Ganon hugs you once and you die immediately, it's not quite that easy. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that was, yeah, that was what, sort of what I predicted and basically what happened. I, I knew it would be hard, but I didn't think it would be prohibitive the way that it sort of has turned out to be. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. All right, so let's move on. Uh, I wanted to just bring a quick mention of an announcement that Synac made in the main Discord uh, regarding QuickSwap. So as a reminder, QuickSwap is a relatively new feature. Uh, it's been rolled out uh but not made available on the website as a default that lets you use your LNR buttons to cycle through your items, which causes a lot less menuing time, generally just like a really nice quality of life update. I think most, uh, you know, most uh, tournaments and communities in the ALTTPR world have accepted that quick swap is the way to go. We're going to use it. Um, it's, it's, it's good. We like it. So Synec announced on April 4th that uh, from now on, that uh, toggle for QuickSwap will be on all race seeds. So it used to only be if you generated a seed via, you know, Sahasulabot um, on the Discord, you could set it to enable QuickSwap. And that's what the majority of us have been doing. If you've been playing ladder or in tournaments um, or even just like DMing Sahabot for like a, a casual seed or whatever, you probably have been getting it with QuickSwap. Well, now you're not going to have to do that because they all already have the quick swap toggle, toggle enabled by default. You can still turn it off as you generate the seed the same way you can turn off background music or change the palette, you know, swap the palette. Uh, just the only change is that it's now kind of being more widely accepted. I, I guess this is kind of a way of saying like this is this is OK if you want to have this on by default as a standard, even though it's not the vanilla uh, you know, way that the game works, it's what we all use and it's kind of the norm now. Uh, so I think a lot of us were like, okay, cool, great. No, no problems there. There was a little bit of pushback though. It seems like there are some folks in the community that are still very much against quick swap. And I have to admit, I was kind of surprised to read that because I've adopted quick swap and I have not looked back. I like it very much. Um, what do you, what do you guys think? And where do you stand on this quick swap thing? Were you surprised to see that there are people that are still, uh, you know, banning quick swap usage in the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, a very nice way of putting it. Um, my, my whole take on that is uh, there have been changes, I think, in the racing community. Even before my time, there will be changes after my time. Um, just like in a corporate career mode, uh, everything doesn't always stay the same, right? Like there's some book about, you know, your cheese getting moved. And, you know, if you want to advance, you have to kind of move with the cheese instead of like keep expecting cheese to show up where you are. Um, honestly, like when, when we started, I, I wanted QuickSwap to be available way back when it wasn't. So like before we started doing it with the API and 
I was a little apprehensive then because I knew I wasn't that good at it. And the reason I wasn't good at it was because I didn't practice it. And uh, I felt like there was a, the reason I wanted it to happen, I guess, even though I didn't think I was good at it was, and I'm still not, um, I wanted there to be consistency because if it's going to be the norm in entrance rando, I kind of want it to just be in rando, you know, like, um, I honestly hated going to cross keys and then trying to remember how to quick swap. And I'm such a creature of habit that when I would do that, what would happen was I would be hitting L and R in like a standard or an open. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's not, that's not how it works. So, um, as someone who doesn't really play NMG, uh, I, I think it's a good thing. I think that having it available on the website is awesome because we had some really wacky settings back in the league in the playoffs. And I know I'm kind of jumping back to that, but when you wanted to make your own seed, there wasn't really a way to make uh, a race ROM uh, with quick swap. So this way there will be, but you know, obviously if you were just doing one for practice, you, you know, you can just choose yourself not to look at the spoiler, but if you wanted to do a practice race, it would probably have to be with people you really trusted because the spoiler would be available, be available. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, the fact that we can make a race ROM from the website now and not have to be fully 100% dependent on Sahabot, I think it's a positive move, especially since pretty much every major tournament now uh, is, is you know, accepting QuickSwap as something. So uh, I, I, I approve. Yeah. Yeah. Or where do you stand on that? Uh, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I'm one of those people who has wanted QuickSwap to be the default setting ever since I first played Rando. Just because as a very casual player, to me, it's mainly a quality of life upgrade and has like almost no downsides. I understand that at the higher levels of play, it enables a lot of different strategies that wouldn't be available without QuickSwap. Uh, because you don't have to pause your game and like, you know, re kind of recenter your focus when you press start again to make the menu go away and everything like that. And I also understand that it has a couple of pitfalls, like someone famously mirroring out of uh, a Vitreous because they accidentally pressed L and switched from their bow to the mirror and then wanted to shoot another arrow and boom, I'm back at the entrance of the dungeon. Oops. So, you know, there's always be casualties, you know, any change. Yeah, exactly. There's there's definitely more to it than it just being a quality of life upgrade. But it just feels so natural to me. I've never played the GBA version. I want to put out that disclaimer. So it's not like I'm coming from the GBA version and I was missing it in the original game or something like that. But it just feels like a natural extension to all the quality of life upgrades and all the changes that have been made to Rando over the years. And uh, I understand that it can be hard to police that now if you really have a community or something that doesn't want quick swap because you you kind of just have to trust that the people won't toggle it to on now that it's available on the race ROMs or you have to check everyone's stream or do whatever. But it's been so widely accepted now that I think those people who still don't want it are definitely the outliers and without trying to be an a-hole or anything like that, but, you know, they just got to learn to deal with it, I guess, is the best way I can put it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that as well. Um, so. I want to backtrack real, real quick. <clears throat> um, not about quick swap, sort of, 
Uh, you mentioned the GBA version. Wait, was this actually, was this an option in the GBA version? I do believe the GBA version had like quick swap on by default, so to speak. Yeah. I, rem I remember L was how you would use items, I think, or dash, one or right, the other. Really? really? Yeah. It was, it was kind of weird. There may have been a way to do it. It may have been like, I uh, couldn't have been select. Now I'm going to have to like boot up the GBA version and find out. I just remember that like it took me forever when I got the GBA version for Christmas one year. Like as mm -hmm. a kid, I was like, all right, we're going to replay it. I remember it took me forever to figure out how the lamp worked because <laughs> I was trying to light a torch and it, I was like, I've only got two buttons. I got a B and an A button. What do I do? And of course, you know, yeah. me, me being impatient, I just like never read the, the text boxes because I'd played it so much um, mm -hmm. on the SNES. So I think it's L or something or R that activates the items on that. It's really weird, but but yeah, I'll have to now I'm gonna have to boot that up and find oh, out if Alright, full disclaimer, I might be completely wrong here. As I said, I've never <laughs> played the GBA version. I just had like in the back of my head people saying that Quickswap was a thing in the GBA version, so I thought that's just how it was. But of course, as you were saying, makes total sense the, the GBA doesn't have four face buttons, so there had to be some other way to do it. Maybe maybe I'm just making things up. So the L button brings up the map, uh, and the R button uses items on the GBA, apparently. Okay. To IGN. Well, maybe there um, wasn't Quickswap then. Well, you know, I'm thinking of, like, Mega Man X was on Super Nintendo, came out not too long after Link to the Past, and it has that works very much in the same way. It might mm -hmm. even make, like, a, a same sound effect. Like, you know, it, it's... It, so it's not like it's something that's like totally modern that we're injecting into this old game like old games had ways to switch items quickly they just happen to kind of miss that in this game it seems for whatever yeah. reason you know uh so. one one small other thing i want to mention i'm not sure if cynic has announced this publicly anywhere but i don't think it's like a super secret thing or anything but uh, he was mentioning that there will be a small change to how the quick swap works with bottles um, right now, yes. if you have an item that's like the shovel and the flute that is in the same uh, inventory spot, if you want to switch from the flute to the shovel or back, you have to hit L and R at the same time, and yep. it'll switch the item out. And for bottles, you had to quick swap through all the bottles that you had, like, one right. by one. And it's going to change so that you can switch through your bottles. Like, the bottles will only be one item. And you'll have to press L and R at the same time to switch through your bottles, which I think a lot of people will welcome as a change. Nice. Yeah, it'll yeah, be. I like that. It'll be an adjustment, but I think it'll be good. It, it'll be really good for me when I'm on the flute and I want to go to the hammer, and instead of pressing yes. L one time, I press R seven hundred times. <laughs> yes, um, welcome to yeah. my world. Because I do that all the time. Like I'll be like walking same. with my my left hand, and then I just kind of like roll my fingers across the R button, and I, I, it's just for lack of thinking you know i should just be like press l once it's so much easier but i yeah. used to oh. i used to always tap my l and r buttons when i walked through man uh, through stairs or screen transitions before quick swap was a thing mm -hmm. and uh i don't play a lot now but i still do that and i've noticed that i do it early and long enough that it will still quick swap sometimes <laughs> and that really <laughs> messes me up um, was that was that like a Super Metroid thing for you? Because don't those guys they are the those, yeah I've I've never they, like, I've never ran Super Metroid, but I always thought I'd at least be very good at the arm pumping because I really do the L and R thing very quickly and very <laughs> in a fast rhythm. 
but now I I do it like you know it 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 doesn't do anything while you're screen transitioning or going up and down stairs just like you can't open the menu when you do that. But if you do sure. it early enough and long enough that those transitions either haven't happened yet or are over already, you'll switch like one or two items. And then I'm like, oh, wait, what's happening? What item am I on? Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I had a game for the Super Nintendo called Tiny Toon Adventures Wacky Sports Challenge. Oh, dude, I love kind that of like game. A, yeah, it's like an early Mario party. You know, yeah. it, was, it was super fun. Uh, and the default, you know, there was a bunch of games where you had to like charge up a power meter and it was just like a button mashing fest with you and all your family. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first thing I, we would do before we started playing is go into the options and change that from being like A and B, which is the default to being L and R. Cause then you just put the controller in your lap. And when those games come up, you just start playing those bongos and you're like, <laughs> and it's uh, way more effective that way. So. Uh, LNR tapping. It's, it's an acquired uh, skill, but in some cases could pay off. Um, okay. Uh, do we all feel like we got our, our thoughts and feelings out on the quick swap? Yeah, uh, I think we debate? covered it pretty thoroughly. Oh, definitely. Okay. <laughs> um, do you guys want to check in on this NMG tourney or should we do that maybe like next time? I was looking at it and I think the, the, the best thing to say is that it's moving along rather quickly which i think is good um i think boyne has done from looking from the outside at least boyne's done a, and co have done a fantastic job of running this um a lot of familiar rando names were in this and still are uh the the loser side bracket since it is double elim is very much incomplete the winner side is starting to you know funnel down you know on the winner side we still see uh Airy, Doomtap, Blaine, you know, just kind of name. I'm naming rando runners. I know there's obviously, uh, you know, runners who are better at NMG and do not play rando at all. Uh, so, you know, forgive us for, for not mentioning those. You know, uh, I think, uh, see, Andy's still in this. We've still got Ace Zero, Apathy Duck on the loser side, Checks Human, uh, Gerdo, uh, you know, Gerdo, the, the famously killed by the Birdo. And, uh, you know, Matt 7898, a lot of familiar names that we're used to on the rando side. And I know I left some out, so I apologize if uh, if I left your name out. But um, when it kind of I guess when it funnels down a little more, maybe we can cover it a little more. But uh, yeah. but but yeah, like there's been uh, there's been a lot of PBs from what I've heard, like people are improving their own game, like they'll get a PB and even lose. So it's like maybe they want, you know, in their mind, they won, you know, like that's that's kind of what the tournament is all about is just improving yourself and your, you know, your personal best with speedrun. Yeah, looping this back to something we were talking about earlier with the qualifiers, that I think this tournament's also unique because it encourages not restarting. I think so much of learning NMG or, or any speedrun, at least from my understanding, is getting a run going. Uh, and a lot of times if you make a mistake early, it's not worth it to try to keep going because then if you do get a PB, you've got this big glaring error right at the beginning. So this tournament is a great way to say, well, go ahead and finish out your seed and let's see, you know, uh, if it's just like you have one shot at it, let's see, let's see how you do. And I think it encourages people to overlook early mistakes and keep going and get a lot more repetition on some of the later game stuff. So I think it's great practice. And also just, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's good to finish things out and this encourages that. So I think that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. And we'll, we'll come back to that when there's a little bit, uh, you know, when it's kind of getting closer to the final stages. Uh, I wanted to quickly revisit the April Fool's Rando. We talked about this a pretty good amount in our last episode, but we did. There were some things that we didn't mention because we didn't want to spoil people who were, you know, uh, who were playing it for the first time. Now that it's been a couple weeks, I think we can safely say, you know, we don't have to worry as much about spoilers. So I wanted to come back and give you guys an opportunity to uh, talk a little bit more about this. We put on a BWS uh, last weekend or two weekends ago at this point that ended up being a, uh, a GMP host special in, in some ways. Do you guys want to tell us a little bit about this? <laughs> I'll let Dancy talk about it. All right. So, um, you know, I got a ping that we were like trying to get somebody to run the festive. And um, obviously in, in the U.S. it was Easter weekend. So it was a holiday and it was kind of hard finding some folks. So I, I, I pinged Nep and was like, hey, do you want to race festive? And she said, I've been up all night and I'm going to be like on like awake for 30 hours by the time we start. So sure, it sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. Um, so Very Nep. <laughs> we decided to do it. And then we we this is where things went really off the rails. We decided... <laughs> that we had two sub goals that we would have to do almost like bingo type things uh, before we could kill Ganon. And we also decided that we were, we drafted like two each. So one at a time, four locations in the game that we could not open until they were logically our last location. And then uh, unfortunately progression was at one of those spots. So everyone (laughs) got to see every dungeon ever, uh, and then what made it even worse was I think Nep accidentally, from what I found out post-race, like opened or talked to one of the NPCs we weren't supposed to and got the bow. So chat and her knew where the bow was. And then she like reset it away and chat and the comms oh, wow. are so confused as to what's happening. Cause we didn't really clue them in. And then after it all concluded, I, I felt absolutely terrible and I just want to thank whoever gifted the crew a sub for dealing with all that garbage because they deserve <laughs> something. <laughs> they were they were good sports about it. Herf, what was uh, tell us about your involvement? Yeah, so uh, I saw that Dante and Nep were doing this race for the festive, and I thought, hey, why why not check it out? Why not take a look? Uh, I haven't really played it myself. Might be a good way to experience it and see some of the trolly stuff without getting mad at the game myself so i jumped into the gomo podcast twitch channel and took a look uh, and listened in and i saw that esper hub was commentating but he was alone and uh, people in the chat were kind of i don't know i don't want to say egging me on but they were like hey Herf, you should jump in and come with esper and i was like ah oh, should i really this is probably going to take a long time it's already like 1 30 in the morning for me uh, eh. And then eventually I was like, hey, you know what, why not? I'll, I'll just jump in and help him out a little bit. Looks like he he needs the the mental support or the moral support there because the festival alone is a pretty crazy thing to behold when you just see two people racing it. So at about the 30-minute mark, I jumped in and started commentating with Esper. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, apart from all the crazy stuff that happened with the, with the festive rando by itself... We were exceptionally confused about what was happening. <laughs> we saw we saw Nep uh, talk to the. I don't know how much I want to spoil of this, but uh, we saw Nep talk to one of the NPCs 
she got a bow out of it. We were like, oh, look, that's a bow. That's pretty cool. And then suddenly we saw her reset the game and never go back to that spot. Stupid. And we were like, wait, what, what's happening here? Do you just not want the bow? People were speculating that the bow is a trolley item in the in the April Fool's rando. And that's why she didn't want it. And that's why Dante never picked it up. Then I was like, well, maybe they made a spoiler spoiler log and looked up where the bows were and decided not to grab them or something. Uh, and then Cynic was like, no, I saw the permalink. There were no spoiler logs generated. And I was like, well, all right, we're back to square one. Nobody knows what's happening. And then they started skipping some more chests and places. You know, as, as Dante was saying, it was four in total. And uh, I think we only really realized three of them because the fourth one was maybe not that obvious or something. I don't even know. We were probably just yeah. too confused about everything <laughs> to even realize what was going on. But there was a lot of speculation of, of what's even happening. And then, mm. you know, they were almost done. Um, we we realized, Nep unfortunately didn't realize this, but Dante knew or realized that in pod... Uh, the horseshoe room at the bottom where also where the two chests are and where you can theoretically go to Helmosaur once you go through the whole dungeon. Uh, sure. The wall was opened, so you could just walk down there and then walk straight to Helmosaur, never needing a bow. So we're like, oh, okay. Now it's kind of starting to make sense. I guess they decided to skip the bow because you don't really need it. We still had no idea how they're going to get through Eastern and GT, but we'll we'll see, I guess. So they had everything done and then suddenly they started clearing out pendant dungeons and we were like, all right, did they decide to make it an old dungeon seed? Is that what's <laughs> happening here? There was so much confusion and like just not knowing what was happening until finally at the very end, Dante started checking spots and so did Nep. And uh, as Dante was saying earlier, since Nep already uh, knew where the bow was, she probably felt that she had some uh, illegitimate information. And so she just made very sure to go to that bow location as the very extremely last spot. Because, yeah. of course, the second bow that we have in the game was nowhere to be found. I think it was in GT somewhere or something. I don't even remember where it was, but the second none bow of you picked it up. The second bow was it. Ganon said Light World, and based on what my map tracker had left, we got the shovel in GT, and that was the only spot right. that was available. Exactly. So. so nobody was ever gonna find that second bow, and the first bow was, as we found out after the seed, off limits to both of these guys and gals uh, until they had nothing else left to check. So we got pretty much an all dungeons full clear the seed festive randomizer. Which was fun to watch, but it ended at like 3.45 in the morning for me or something. <laughs> I was just about to ask. I was like, this is kind of a late night for you, right? Yeah, that was pretty late. Yeah. Thankfully, it was also the Easter weekend for us. And uh, I had last week off as of this recording. So I wasn't really too worried about my sleep schedule. It just wasn't very expected, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So, and this is on our YouTube also. Shout out to Zeitnix for bumping that. So, we'll put a link to that in the description. Uh, for some reason, I wasn't getting Discord notifications on my phone and I was out and about. And uh, I checked like way later that night and saw that everything had happened. It was like, what? Because uh, otherwise, I definitely would have at the very least hung out and chat. But um, watching the video was the next best thing. Um, so, 
yeah, I'm glad we're able to do stuff like that occasionally. And, um, oh, I did want to mention one thing that got me was I remember when I did my seed, whenever you would dash, you try to go to the end of the screen, you couldn't dash off of the screen. Uh, Nep uh, had the opposite problem where whenever she would try to do a screen transition, just walking into it, it would block her. And she had to dash in order to be able to change the screen transition. So uh, yeah, apparently that was, that was one of those boot settings Yeah, that we just missed. That was the case for both of them. If you give yourself starting boots, you have to dash through every screen transition. And uh, I think what got me the most was when Dante finally finished his seed, he killed Ganon, <laughs> the bridge appeared, he tried walking into the Triforce room, and it wouldn't let him because he wasn't dashing through the screen transition. So he was just sitting there confused, and so were we for like five seconds until he remembered that he had to dash through it to finally end this hellish seed. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I, I'm i glad that race was not recorded because I had done, and I'm like, oh no, I need to undone, and I was like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> you assumed you were walking in and you, oh, okay, that's funny. Yeah, like I, I, I looked at the thing and I, I I had my hand on the, the thing, like the keyboard to hit done, and then it's like, okay, it's going to start fading. It's not fading. What am I doing? <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but yeah, it was um, a hot mess. I, I'm I'm totally sorry. <laughs> so yeah, one uh, final thank you and, and shout outs to uh, the dev crew for putting this one together. It really was a lot of fun and, and unexpected, which is kind of the most fun way that, that these can be enjoyed. So um, yeah, awesome. All right, GMP community updates. Let's go. So we have started hosting weekly multi-worlds. Uh, more specifically, our newest moderator, Malmo, has been kind of organizing these, overseeing them. But every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, we have folks come in and play a big mystery multi-world. So just a reminder, we've done a, a couple of these, you know, as a community in the past. The nice thing about these mystery multi-worlds is you can set the parameters that you want your seed to be generated. So, you know, Malmo and her crew, they like to do... Um, you know, really crazy glitch modes, OWG, um, you know, now they've been doing hybrid, things like that. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. You can set it to just be like an open 7-7 or even like a Triforce hunt if you want to uh, get involved. But the multi-world, you know, it shuffles all the items around everybody's seed so that you're all collecting each other's stuff. Everybody's in a voice chat. Super fun. So uh, shout outs to, to Malmo and, and that crew for getting that going. And if you're listening to this and that sounds like something you want to do, just come by our Discord and go to our bot assignment channel. You can assign yourself the multi-world rank and you'll get pings whenever, you know, those are getting set up. And uh, the other nice thing about multi-worlds in this community is people will be really helpful about helping you get it set up. It can be kind of complicated and confusing your first time, but um, you've got all these people that are just hanging out on voice chat that are more than willing to help you troubleshoot it until you fix it. I. I had to do that with uh, Amerith one time. I was like, I don't know what to do. And Amerith very patiently walked me through it. So, um, yeah, I'd definitely check it out if you are uh, thinking that's something you might like to do. Uh, one thing that they started doing, actually, I think Dante noticed this uh, when they were having their last multi, uh, that one of the players, even though they were in the multi, had like on their Discord, like, what am I playing kind of thing that shows up. It said Factorio. You were like, uh, are they playing Factorio and a multi-world at the same time? Like ultimate BK mode? What's going on here? Apparently, uh, there is uh, this thing called Archipelago that actually lets you play Factorio and ALTTPR 
like cross the same way it does with like super metroid essentially i've never played factorio so i have no idea what the implication of that is um but it doesn't surprise me that that krellbell would would be doing something like this shout out to them um playing a, a version of alttpr that's also mixed with other games and they're also apparently looking forward to hollow knight rando coming out soon so uh yeah that all of that's been going on friday nights um i would love to jump into one of those one of these days when i have a little bit of time but uh yeah, what do you guys think about this, like Factorio and ALTTPR? Have either of you ever played this game? Uh, I've played a lot of Factorio, uh, and uh, you know, this is—I'm uh, gonna say this is what I'm expecting from a fork of of some code, where you're forking the code and you're not just throwing together all the code from other people, but you're doing your own thing and making crazy new stuff. And uh, I really have to commend that one. Because as far as I understand it, I haven't tried it out myself yet, but as far as I understand it, people in ALTTPR find your like research recipes. I'm sure if you've ever played one of those like survival games or something like that or building games, you know how you have to go through the research tree and you research that thing and it unlocks a couple more recipes that you can research and all that stuff. So people in ALTTPR find your research and then when you research it, you research items for them in ALTTPR. So someone was like researching a Triforce piece for someone who was playing Triforce Hunt and stuff like that. And I think that's that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. I love I love the creativity of it, and you know, imagining other games getting thrown in there. Like I said, I've never played Factorio, but um, that sounds super fun. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to see like you know we've got different. <clears throat> game crossovers now like i know i have not not saying this is in the works by any stretch so let me preface that uh, uh it would be really cool like a buddy of mine he plays he doesn't play zooter a lot but he does enjoy ocarina of time probably a little more than link to the past uh it's just you know his flavor of the day um mm -hmm. and it would be really cool if there was a way and i'm sure someone could eventually do it i'm not that person to do it um, you know, have it where Ocarina of Time rando maybe somehow intersects with uh, Link to the Past rando in a multi. That would be pretty interesting, I think. You know, like if you could play, you know, and then expand that, you know, I'm, I'm looking way down the line. If there was a way to expand it to like Z1, a multi-world with that, mm. and then, you know, even games like Minish Cap and stuff that I have no idea where anything is, even in vanilla. Like, the, <laughs> those would be really cool. Like, it kind of just makes me feel like the floodgates are going to be opened up at some point where, you know, if there's a popular game out there and someone wants to make it, they're going to make it, you know, like just seeing the fact that we could take different games and intertwine them somewhat. Uh, you know, we saw that a couple years ago when SMZ3 showed up, but they were on the same platform. But now we've got, you know, ALTTPR and Factorio together. Uh, I, I have to commend doing that. That's pretty. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. All right, biweekly seeds. So the last uh, episode was episode seventy. We just did an open seven seven defeat Ganon, but it was our metagaming uh, seed in which uh, myself and Artie Walsh the fifth. Uh, shout outs to to Bob Walsh. Uh, each played the seed ahead of time. Actually, technically, I played it right after it came out and then posted my time immediately after that, but hopefully that didn't mess anybody up. Uh, we played through the seed and then posted our times and our collection rates and then dot comments uh, that and then invited folks to read that before they took a stab at the seed themselves so they could try to kind of either metagame or whatever they wanted to do. Well, uh, 
Bob Walsh's comment was was perfect. It was it said something about like, oh wow, seeds trying to be cute, huh? And just that comment like really affected the way that I played because uh, I uh, spoiler alert, I also read his comment before I played mine, so it's kind of additional meta there uh, in in my comment. But um, it was just like everything trolly that could happen i wanted to go make a beeline to check that because i knew that the seed was going to try to in his words get cute you know so i was looking for like vanilla hammer and uh you know uh, ridiculous uh pearl locations and things like that but it was a fun seed i like the idea of this maybe we'll try this again you know sometime in the future when we're looking for something to do uh and again uh, shout outs to rd walsh the fifth for uh being our our meta gaming commenter there so, boys, what do we want to do for episode 71? That, that is a uh, very good question. That's tough. Yeah, we don't really have a good way to tie into a feature with this one, so I think we're just kind of on our own to do what do what we want. Does anybody have anything they've been, like, sitting on, thinking about doing? Hmm. Maybe instead of just a normal open 7-7, we do an all-dungeon 7-7, just to mix Ooh. it up a little bit. That. Okay. Uh, and you know what? Much, yeah. um, let's see. Let's see if there is. I think there's a preset for this. Uh, there is. We're gonna we're gonna be nice. We're gonna give you guys boots. So we'll do some AD boots, all nice. dungeons, with a boot start, and that That's way fun. maybe the boots aren't in GT, and then you're miserable the entire time. <laughs> Much in the way that we're going to discuss all video games today, we want you to play all dungeons. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> That's how it fits. <laughs> nice, nice tie cool. Okay, yeah, I like that. AD boots. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, with that, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's play the flute. All right, so uh, Rando is hard, and I don't like it anymore. It hurt my feelings, <laughs> and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> All right, sounds like a good start to this feature. <laughs> what do you want to talk so, about? No, um, uh, I, would, I just want to talk about video games with you guys. Uh, we were you know, coming up with an idea for this episode, or at least attempting to. Um, and you know, I feel like we've been on a pretty good streak. We've had a lot of really good episodes um, the past, you know, 10 or 15 shout outs to all of our wonderful guests that have helped us with that. Um, you know, I, I felt like they've been good episodes, but we've kind of reached the point where, you know, every every now and then we got to do one for us. I feel like in, instead of, you know, researching and interviewing, we're just going to kind of talk about stuff that we want to talk about, kind of like we did with our music episode, the you know episodes where we ask each other just random questions and stuff like that. We're going to do that again, except the topic of today's discussion is going to be video games. Uh, so we have like pretty much no outline, which if you know me, I'm like very anxious about. Tim is sweating uh, like profusely. Yeah. I, I don't even see him, and I know it. You you heard that? Yeah, I heard um, the sweat. The, the bloop. Yeah, the the droplets. Um, no, but uh, I trust my co-hosts. I know that we're going to have a good conversation. We're going to keep things moving here. Um, I think a good place to start with this. We kind of talked a, a little bit about this briefly. Um, we did ask our listeners, our subscribers on Twitch to tell us about games that they enjoy spending, investing time in that are not ALT, TPR, and Y. And I guess we can just kind of answer that question for ourselves. So would either one of you like to go first and just tell us about a video game that you really enjoy that's not ALT, TPR? I mean, I'm probably a good example of that right now. Uh, so I can go first if you want me to. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, the the newest Binding of Isaac DLC just came out a couple of days ago on March 31st, I believe. Uh, and I've been investing a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears, it feels like, into that game. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar either of you are with that game. Not it's, very. I am somewhat. Uh, it's, it's uh, well, how to describe it? I want to say it's one of the OG roguelikes, I guess. I'm sure there were others before that, but that's the first one that really sticks out in my mind. It used to be a Flash game way, way, way back. And then it came to Steam in its Flash version, which was very not performant and kind of screwy because, you know, Flash. And then eventually it got updated. And uh, it's often compared, or it was originally compared to kind of like having a Zelda 1 feel because you've got your, you know, rooms that are just one screen rooms and they've got up to four exits up, down, left, right. And it's like sort of a top down view and you go through each floor. Um, essentially like the basics are each floor has an item room where you get a random item from the whole item pool in the game to make you stronger, make you have more HP, make you shoot faster, whatever it may be. And then at the end of each floor is a boss room with a boss, a boss that you have to defeat. And that also drops an item. And then you move on to the next floor and you go through a couple of floors until you reach the so-called end boss. There's, it's been expanded so much that talking about an end boss right now is kind of crazy. But uh, <clears throat> that, that's sort of like the gist of it. And each run is randomized, obviously, as is the case with pretty much any roguelike. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, you have a couple of characters to choose from. Those have been expanded a lot as well. They all play a little bit differently, but the basic gameplay loop is the same. Basically, if you're playing it on a controller, you move with the left analog stick or your D-pad, and you shoot with uh, the right analog stick or your face buttons. So Smash TV style. Yeah, pretty much. So... Yeah. Um, that's kind of the gist of the whole thing. Um, the lore and the makeup of the game is extremely, I don't know what to call it, dark, morbid, weird. Yeah, it's like yeah, that it new grounds in the 2000s. Kind of yeah, aesthetic. definitely. So there's there's a lot of poop in the game and there's a lot of blood <laughs> in the game <laughs> and, yeah. and a lot of crazy stuff like that. And uh, a lot of your abilities have to do with you farting or, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's all kinds of crazy. But it's a ton of fun. The newest DLC made it very hard. A lot harder than it already was. But I'm slowly getting into the groove of things again. And uh, it, it's a ton of fun. It's, it's really great and I love playing it. I've uh, clocked over 200 hours now according to my Steam and it's only going Damn. up. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, uh, So just to... Probably everybody knows this, but I just want to clarify real quick. Binding of Isaac, like the whole kind of deal behind it, it's a roguelike game, mm -hmm. which means that every time you play, the rooms are randomly generated, right? Is that, I mean, that's the idea? Yeah, pretty much. Every every floor is randomly generated. The room layout is randomly generated. There's a couple of rules it adheres to as far as where the secret rooms can spawn and stuff like that. But basically, you never know what you're going to get once you like start an algorithm. the game. Yeah, that like dictates yeah. how it can be put and I, I guess another important, yeah pretty yeah. much uh, another important point about the uh, the roguelike 
theme in case people don't know I, i'd be surprised if people don't know but just in case somebody doesn't know is once you die you start completely new you lose all your like the items that you've picked up in the item rooms or after you've, you've killed the boss you lose all your your upgrades you just start again as if you were starting a new rando save file so basically if you imagine playing rando which is kind of a bad comparison but if you imagine once you die you can't save and continue and just start the dungeon again or whatever no you start again a link's house with nothing in your inventory and you have to redo everything again no continues it's all about how far you can get on that one life yeah pretty much kind of like spelunky yeah that's a that's another roguelike that's very fun yeah, yeah. uh tanti i cut you off earlier you were going to say something about oh no this. uh just like um <clears throat> I, I think i shared either with her for both of you guys that uh, I had kind of got lucky where uh, I have an IRL friend that does play uh, who's big into Isaac. So when the DLC came out, he was telling me all about it. And um, I got lucky where I was kind of hanging out with him and some other people in, in one of our discords. And uh, he was he was streaming the first time he got to like the final boss. And it was really funny because he, 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 he's like me sometimes. He just gets very uh, anxious about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fact that when you die, it, it, that's it. Like Herf was saying. So he got to the final boss and he's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do, win this fight. And I was like, dude, you just got to do it. You just, you just gotta like, just give it a shot. And then suddenly, you know, I, I won't spoil anything with it, but suddenly he's like at the final boss and the final boss is dying. And he's like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. And I'm like, see, you just got to believe dude. <laughs> like, and it was really cool actually. Cause I had played the original I played Binding of Isaac. Like uh, I say original, but like the original that came out on steam, like when it first got popular. And mm-hmm. I really, I, I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to keep like expanding on it. You know, I guess like I, I finally lost interest in it. I was also very bad at it. Like I will, I will admit that like that was probably why I lost interest in it. And um, it was kind of cool to see the ending, so to speak, because he was like, he's like, everybody shut up. He's like, everybody shut up in the call. I want to see this. <laughs> so it was, it was really cool to see. And um, he was like, that's so sick. And we were actually kind of like, that's kind of cool, you know? And, uh, yeah. and it was like, all right, well on to the next thing. But, um, I, I think in Herf maybe can answer, doesn't it have like a bunch of characters like you unlock and then you have to like get abilities for and stuff like that, like different variants of Isaac or something like that. Yeah. So you start out with like, I believe five or six characters that you can play as just once you, you know, the first time you start your game, you get your choice out of five or four characters, something like that. And some of them are locked, but it tells you what the unlock condition is. So like one character, I believe the unlock condition is you have to make it through the first two or three floors without taking any red heart damage. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, once you make that, you unlock the next character and stuff like that. And what Repentance, the, the newest DLC added, is tainted characters. So every character, there's a total of, I don't know, 12 characters now? Hang on, I'm actually going to look this up because I'm a good guy. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. On this episode, Herf can count. <laughs> oh man, I lost count though because this scrolls horizontally. One, two, three, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen characters apparently is Jeez. what you have. And uh, you also get a tainted version of each character now that you have to unlock with, 
I finally figured out how to reliably unlock them. Now it's just a matter of actually getting there without horribly dying to something stupid like it is all the time. And uh, they they all have, like, uh, once you unlock the character, that's not it. They all have starting, uh, starting items that they can start with that you have to unlock separately. And they all have their specific unlock conditions. Some of them are just... Uh, every shop that you can find. So on each floor, there's also going to be a shop where you can spend your money to buy either temporary items like pills or cards that do something for one room and then they're gone, or like permanent items like you get in the item rooms. Uh, and there's also a donation machine. And some of them are just, you know, put 200 coins in the donation machine and suddenly Isaac starts with a starting item or something like that. Uh, others are a little bit more complicated where you have to finish the game in a specific way or do something specific. I think there's a total of 21 endings now. So there, there's a lot to unlock. Is is there a competitive scene? to? Th- I mean, I know there's a competitive scene. Are you do you do you like mess with that at all? No, I, I personally don't. Uh, I also don't know too much about it. I believe there is a competitive scene. Uh, there's two approaches to this. Uh, I think there was uh, a speedrun of a Binding of Isaac at one of the GDQs a couple of years ago, and they were playing an unseeded run, so they just, you know, they took what they got and they tried to make it to the end, and it was uh, not a great seed, as far as I remember. <laughs> so it wasn't too too great of a showcase. But I believe in the competitive scene, they're playing seeded. So, you know, it's it's sort of like in Randall where both of them get the same seed and every floor layout is the same. They both get the same items yeah. in the item room and the same items in the shop and the same bosses and stuff like that. It's because, only fair. Yeah, because otherwise it will be incredibly hard to really gauge how well or not well someone is doing because someone could just have the equivalent of a jet seat basically and find all the super op items and make it through no problem while the other guy is really struggling with like one hard uh, you know life and dying to everything in a single hit yeah that makes sense i the the guy who i I watched play the the recent dlc he actually he entered a tournament maybe a year ago um Mm -hmm. and uh I, I, it definitely was seated where they both had the exact same thing, but um, it was really interesting to watch because you know, like you were saying, you, it's not like ran like our rando where you, we get you're guaranteed that all the items are in your game that you know some mm-hmm. some items may never show up, and it was really cool to watch like how people change their loadout, um, you know, like what they would choose in a situation where like if you get an item, you know, you obviously have to like sacrifice or like let one go and leave it in the room since like it feels like a slot or whatever um mm-hmm. obviously it sounds like we're talking about the the isaac podcast now but uh <laughs> it's it's um it, it was really inter- i gotta say it was entertaining to watch so if uh, i'll kind of plug that if if you come across competitive isaac and i don't remember which channel was restreaming it because i think it was just someone in that community was doing it on their channel there's not probably like, yeah there's not like a hub like speed gaming is for ALTTPR, we're really we're really spoiled by them and ZSR, you know, in, in that regard. So um, if you come across it, I'd say if if you've played the game and you think it's a cool game, it's it's definitely worth watching. Like just seeing how good players play that game. Like I have a great respect for it. I I just don't know how they do it. 
Yeah, if, if you guys don't mind me getting into it a little deeper, I can expand some more, uh, especially on the competitive stuff that we were just talking about. Uh, I just, as you were saying, I don't want to make this the Binding of Isaac podcast now if, if people aren't that interested in it. No, uh, hit us up in the Discord, you know? I would yeah. say if, if you want to talk more Isaac, Herf is, is available, uh, and uh, maybe I'll finally check it out one of these days because I've always kind of resisted it and been like, oh, it's not my cup of tea, but... I also don't know that because I've never tried it. Yeah, I, I'd it's, say it's uh, definitely worth a shot if you've never played yeah, it. Yeah, I'd say so. And it's, you know, it, I don't know. It takes a while to, to get into the groove and to understand what everything is because it can be an extremely obtuse game. Don't feel What's bad. What's a good starting point? I don't know. Just play with the Isaac, the standard character, and see how far you get. You'll basically unlock stuff in the beginning with almost everything you do like even dying will unlock something and it just kind of goes from there but once you you want to figure out hey what's this or what does that do what i would uh suggest right now mods are turned off because of the release of the dlc and i guess they didn't want the the dlc content to immediately be you know like blasted through with some of the mods that make stuff very easy Mm -hmm. but um the thing about Isaac is, and that's the last thing I'm going to say, none of the items tell you what they do. Or, well, that's not true, but a lot of them don't tell you what they do. You know, the you'll pick up an does, item. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll, you'll pick up an item and it'll say, you feel blessed and protected and nothing changes. And you're like, oh, okay, what, what did that just do? So uh, there's a, a mod, once it's enabled again, that will basically pull from a wiki what the item in the room you're currently in will do for you instead of just giving you a very vague weird description or also if you're starting new maybe don't spoil yourself too much but never feel bad looking up an item and finding out what it does and if you want to pick it up or not yeah that, that's probably good advice and like i was saying though it's been a while since i've played it but temp temp we should do it we should uh we should try this out. Yeah, it's cheap enough. You should. I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give Tim a link. Uh, there's a site called Platinum God uh, that has nothing, well, almost nothing, but the items on it, so you won't get spoiled on anything. And you just put the item or like vaguely what you think it looks like. It's really good at predicting what you're actually searching for. Mm. Uh, you just put it in there, and it'll show you uh, where it was edited. And then if you hover over it, it'll tell you exactly what it is. So you won't get spoiled on any other game mechanic. You just will find out what the item does for you or doesn't do for you. All right. All right. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try it. I'll play. I'll play Binding of Isaac. Um, let's take a moment to uh, hear from some of our subscribers. Let's let's hear uh, Sineath's favorite game. We asked our subscribers about this question, and Sineath said, Celeste, the story and tech are absolutely amazing. It's a fun speed run too, and even has a randomizer. So I have a confession. You probably know what I'm about to say here, but I have not played Celeste. I have it downloaded, but I have not played it. High five. I haven't either. I haven't even bought it. I don't have it downloaded. And I'm going to say, and I know this will draw the ire of a lot of people, I have zero interest in playing it. Oh, wow. Hard platformers like that. Uh, the, the guy who made Isaac also made Super Meat Boy. And I've never really got into Super Meat Boy. Hard platformers like that drive me insane. I can die like a million <laughs> times in Isaac, but precise jumps and spikes that kill me when I jump against them and stuff like that. No, thank you. 
I I like platformers. I would go as far as to say I loved Super Meat Boy. Um, there was a game called Jumper Two that was like a flash game uh, made by a guy named Yo Mama's Mama. This is back in like the <laughs> early two thousands. So jank, but man, that game was super fun. I, if, if I can find a download, like I'll I'll give it to you. It's like a proto Super Meat Boy, basically. Um, but yeah, I like games like that. So I know I would like Celeste and people go on and on about how incredible the soundtrack is and it's a beautiful story and the game's super fun. Here's the thing. Like I will play it eventually one day. I know I will. I have no problem like putting off games like that because life is generally kind of long and there's plenty of time to get to things like that. You know, I also have Spider-Man uh, for the PS4 that is still in the cellophane that I haven't even opened yet. Oh, wow. But I'm very much looking forward to playing it. You know, no, I'm going to really play it. Game. I just haven't yet, you know? So that's all I'll say. I, I will play Celeste. I know I'll love it. Um, I'm going to play Spider-Man. Uh, I've got a lot of games that I know are good that I will eventually get to. <laughs> but I'm not one of those people that feels like they have to play games like when they're brand new to really ex- enjoy them. Like I like to put them off and then get into them on my own time. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I don't think you have to play everything immediately when it comes out. You'll often save a lot of money if you don't do that. That's the main. It, that's the main reason, honestly, is because mm-hmm. I don't like paying like sixty dollars for a video game. Um, yeah, Dante, why don't you uh, why don't you take it over from here and maybe tell us about a game that you've spent a lot of time <laughs> in? And I know there yeah. are definitely some. I'm not going to so say I'm very DDR. Curious to hear what you're going to say. I'm not. Okay. I'm okay. not going to talk about DDR. So no, right. I'm going to talk about Stepmania X instead. Yeah, no, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> rhythm games. Let's put it that way. So I have. I think I don't know why um, games that have achievements uh, or things to work towards, even if they're mundane, uh, always seem to grab my attention. And I think it's probably because of how goal oriented I try to be, like with with things I want to do and hobbies, etc. Um, so like here's a terrible example. Like I bought, um. And I'm talking about like just this is very broadly. I'm not talking about this is my specific favorite video game. So please bear with me. Um, I, I bought like what was it? Call of Duty Black Ops was it four that came out like two or three years ago or something? I think mm-hmm. it was 2018. And uh, I bought it because it was on sale and my friends were playing it. It was like um, you know flavor of the day so to speak. And that was what we played like you know. Weeknights, Friday nights, stuff like that. Uh, and um, there were like little mini achievements in it where you could like unlock special gun skins and stuff like that. And for some reason, like it, it, it sucked me in and I played probably 200 hours worth of that. Like just the online multiplayer trying to do that. And it was ridiculous. And it's like stuff like that that has those little small things like I, I'm a sucker for it, I guess is the way to put it. Um, like did you quick, quick aside kind of related to that. Did you ever play games like Banjo Kazooie and yes. Donkey Kong 64 that were like collectathons? Okay. And, and I would collect all of it. So, Same. um, <laughs> back when I played a lot more console gaming, um, you know, like, like I had to have an Xbox 360 had to have a PS3, you know, when the PS4 came out and the Xbox one came out, I think I got those within three months of their release. Like it was like, I kind of had to get them, you know, right then um, trophies and achievements were like the things I went for. Like I kind of prided myself on that. Like I remember how cool it was when 
I hit uh, the hundred thousand gamer score on Xbox yeah. 360. Um, I would I, I'd go to back in the day Blockbuster and because it was still around then, even though no one used it, and I'd rent games just because they had uh, like quick achievements. Like it, it was, it, it's really bad, but like this is like what I'm a sucker for, I guess, and things that I enjoy. I legit rented the last Airbender on Xbox 360 because you could get all 1000 gamer score on it in the first like two minutes of the game. And I literally <laughs> rented it and did that. A friend came over and did it on his account. And then I took it back the same day and I had like five more days with it. And I'm like, I'm not even going to beat the game. I've already, I've already beat it in my eyes. So to speak, <laughs> oh, like I'm, I'm an idiot like that. Um, like for instance, you mentioned Banjo Kazooie, uh, did, did any either of you guys remember uh, Nuts and Bolts that came out on the 360 where it was kind of like you make your own mm-hmm. uh, you make your own cars and stuff? Dude, I played that game so much and the achievements in that were Garbo and I did all of them. And oh, man, like it, and this is kind of why I eventually got out of this, I guess, mainly because time um, in, in addition, it, it kind of felt hollow. I guess like it felt like I I had accomplished something, but at the same time I was like, man, was that worth it? (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's very interesting to me because I'm a guy who doesn't give a crap about achievements or trophies or anything like that at all. I have like 260 ish games on my PS five, including all my PS four games now. And I have a single platinum, which you get for getting basically all the trophies of a single game. So, in theory, I haven't finished uh, anything but one single game completely. And I don't know, I I have no problem with achievements or trophies or anything like that. I don't think, you know, some people are really against them and they're like, oh, achievements are crap, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't think that at all. But I do think, and this might not be, you know, the the episode to discuss this, but I do think... Uh, the the advent of achievements and trophies and whatever they might be called on all the different consoles has changed the way people play games a lot of the time. It has. It totally and, has. And I think that's kind of stupid because I consider a game done when I see the ending of the game normally. Sometimes I might want to replay it, maybe try for a different ending if there are multiple or whatever. But some people, I know a lot of people, I'm on a, on a PlayStation Discord, and there's people who don't consider their games done until they've got every single achievement on it. And I'm like, A, where do you take the time to grind out some of these extremely stupid achievements? Mm-hmm. And B, where do you get the motivation? Like when, I'm, when I finished the game, when I went through it from start to finish and the credits are rolling... I, I usually don't feel the immediate need to jump back in again, even if it has like a new game plus and I really enjoyed it or something. I need some time to to like make it fresh again, I guess. Yeah, and that that makes sense. I have, uh, I have a question for Dante. The Airbender game that you played was it based on the movie or the cartoon? <laughs> oh no, it was based on the cartoon. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, there. Did you know there was a video game based on the movie? Yes. Oh, boy. Guess who the composer was for that for that game? I don't know. Mick Gordon. Really? Whoa! Yeah, hang on, the hang composer on, hang for on. the Doom games. <laughs> Wait, about for like I'm the pretty... soundtrack? 
Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm sure it sounds you... nothing like the Doom music, though. It does No, not. I'm sure I'm it doesn't. I just, 100% uh, sure. When you mentioned an Avatar video game, I, I had to know, and I went and searched it and just found that. Amazing. And it seems like an incredible coincidence, because we all love Mick Gordon here. He's the composer for the Doom soundtrack, uh, also the video game Prey. He's just, like, a really great composer. Um, yeah, he does a lot of great stuff. I also want to very quickly mention, just to push Dante into playing Isaac even more, it currently has 637 achievements to Dude. Get. Do not even. I see. That's that's where I'm, I'm gonna like. I'm trying to tie all this in. Like, what sucks me into video games? Um, yeah. So, like for instance, there was. I think it still exists. There was an MMO based on Star Wars, and oh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, there's a couple of them. There used to be Star Wars Galaxies, which is the old one, I think, and the uh -huh. newer one is the Knights of the Old Republic, where you get to choose if you want to play on the light or the dark side, and it's more like story focused, quote unquote. Yeah, I think. I've heard good things about that. I think it's that one. It was probably. 2011 so whenever that came out or whenever that was um I, like I, i'm i'm also a big sucker for long grinds and i think that's kind of where the achievement stuff comes in too uh mm -hmm. like that's kind of one reason why i'm glad i don't like the overall like story slash lore of world of warcraft because i know i would get sucked into that like, I, I would be the guy who's doing raids, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, I think it's cool. Like, it's like us getting together playing, you know, races or multi-worlds in rando. Like, it's it's really cool to have that community. But that that's a huge, huge time investment. And I just remember with, uh, with that Star Wars MMO, like, I was... When I got home from work, like... If me and my wife didn't have something planned, I would be grinding, trying to level up, advance the story... <laughs> and I got to, and I was like, I'm paying for this every month. So I felt obligated to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I didn't want to pay for WoW and I eventually canceled. Like I, I maxed out at the time on that game and I'm like, I don't feel like doing the, I don't know what, what the raid equivalent was in those. And then, you know, I kind of backed out, but I, I don't know if I've like grown up or gotten younger as far as video games, considering I'm still playing rando, but, uh, you know, or like playing the game from my childhood in a randomized form, but the uh, the the stuff like that. Like another thing that I'm playing currently, and see, I, I still can't. <laughs> I, t I shared this with you guys right before we started, and I'm by no means saying this is like my favorite game right now, but it's my my time killer. But I'm I'm a big sucker for Mario Kart Tour on like mobile right now. Like I've been mm -hmm. every two weeks, you get like a whole new set of tracks and. You can compete with people in your tier that they throw you in and, you know, get rewards. And it's harder if you don't pay for stuff, but, you know, you can still, I guess, sort of have fun with the game, I guess, is a way of putting it. And I've, I think I've been playing it since release, which has been like a year and a half now. And it's kind of like I, I kind of have an internal struggle of is it time for me to move on from this? It's like I'm still, <laughs> I'm still having fun, but at the same time, like. Could I spend that time doing something different? Could I be enjoying a different video game? Like Doom Eternal that I keep saying that I'm going to play the DLC, but I've been trying to get through video card issues um, or like PC issues like to fix that, which I think I've basically got. So that's going to happen soon, TM. But, you know, nice. I like that. The thing I like with, with Doom is that that one, uh, 
that there's nothing really sucking me in feeling obligated to play. It's all about pure enjoyment. And mm-hmm. I need, I, I personally, for like casual gaming, I need to find more things like that just because everything I've played probably in my adult life has been, it, it's been fun oriented, but at the same time, it's also goal oriented. And I don't think that's a good way how we should view video games. Like talk, going back to Sinead's, um, you know, kind of description, little mini description of Celeste. You know, a lot of people really do enjoy that. I remember playing Super Meat Boy. You guys brought that up. That game was a super fun grind for me. Like, I I felt like it, it kills you, and at the same time, it teaches you things as you go. Like, you can see an actual progression, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. But I can also yeah, understand yeah. Herf's point where it's not, you know... It, it's really just a matter of taste. I completely agree with you, and I think both uh, Super Meat Boy and Celeste do this, where even if you die, the respawn is so quick that yeah. it doesn't really take you out of the game, and it doesn't really punish you all that much for it. It's just, you know, not my cup of tea is the best way I can describe it. I don't doubt that it's a great game. I think it's an awesome game, and, you know, people in, rightly enjoy it very much. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, and, so, uh, Dante, I'm, I'm kind sorry. of hearing... Real quick, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I just want to issue a very small correction because I know people are going to go bonkers about this. The Star Wars MMO, uh, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2 are the two RPG games that came out okay, like, yeah. way back. And the Star Wars MMO is called The Old Republic. That's it. Mm. That's the one I played. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, And, man, that one, it was fun because I'm a big, I, I really enjoy Star Wars. So having that little alternate universe was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I mentioned like the MMO scene, you know, Arusta, one of our subs had, uh, had put on here that, that they also enjoy world of Warcraft, you know, we're talking about MMOs. Um, and they said, I enjoy it because I've been playing it with the same guild for all, for half a decade. Uh, so it's more about just chilling with friends, friends than the actual game and see something like that. I have a great respect for, cause I can relate in a way, um, kind of in a third party sense, just because I have uh, I have an IRL friend from Dance Games, and he's got about ten friends he meets up with once or twice a year, and they kind of like have a weekend in a cabin somewhere, and they hang out and do whatever. And the way they all met was being in the same guild in WoW, like way back when he was in high school. Wow. So mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely like you can build like I guess lifelong friendships out of stuff like that, especially when there's like that time commitment and stuff and you know and people can do it so it's it's really cool to see that you know people have fun playing games and then they can also take that and uh and and make for, like real life friends out of it that are are pretty chill you know sometimes you meet some weird ones but at the same time it's like you know people you get along with and share you know common interests outside of those said games but uh i know yeah. that i'm not like i really don't have uh, a specific game and maybe that's sad that's like my favorite game that's not linked to the past <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um or dance games but i've bored you guys enough on the podcast with dance games so that's why i was kind of giving my my take of like other stuff i've played and dabbled in um rpgs like every once in a while they really do suck me in and you know, recently i replayed uh final fantasy 10 on my switch hmm. just because i wanted to and I thought that was uh, 
Like it, it was fun to actually replay it. The only thing I hated was that I could not uh, fast forward like you can on um, yeah. Yeah, on uh, the other thing, or like you can on the PC. So, uh, mm. well, you know. On like iOS too, I, I have a buddy who plays all the Final Fantasy games on Apple products and fast forwards through you know, most of the game, basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's yeah. I guess that's kind of... I, in a way, my, my whole spiel, um, I've, yeah. I've been kind of rambling for about 20 minutes, so <laughs> thanks for entertaining um, me here. No, it's, uh, it's all very interesting to hear. I, so what I heard from you is like in hunting for achievements and trying to get that number up, you, you mentioned the word grind, for instance. Um, are you really like, is that what is fun for you? Or do you feel like you're being compelled to do that? And sometimes it's, it's a bit of a slog or like a mixture of both. Maybe it's, it's kind of a mixture of both. I would say, uh, I enjoy, I don't always do this because sometimes I just want to get a hundred percent on like a dance game song and I want to, you know, I want it right now. I don't, I don't want to have to put in a bunch of effort because maybe that song is bad. Like I am tying this back to dance games, but <laughs> I'm wired where if there's a puzzle or a problem, I want to invest my entire brain power to figure it out. So if there was an achievement and you had to do these specific things, maybe in this specific order, I wanted to try to make it happen. Um, perfect example this, you know, this past Friday or, you know, last night from here where we're recording, uh, I think I played the same song in that Step Maniacs rhythm game for a little over an hour trying to get 100% on wow. it um, way back, probably like uh, August. Yeah, it was around August um, when I was doing the really old DDR mixes. Uh, I, I knew there was a song that was really badly synced. The BPM changed a lot. Like it was hard to get all perfects on it. And um, I spent, I, I had my, my session timer and at the four hour, 45 minute mark of that stream is when I got it. So <laughs> like, wow. Some people are just like, he's an idiot. And I don't think you're wrong, <laughs> but it, it's kind of like I get, de- when I get something on my mind and my wife says this is a big flaw and it is, to an extent, I, I get bound and determined to try and figure out how to do it. So I, I kind of get almost tunnel vision, not tunnel vision, but like blinder zone where in gaming and in other things, it's like I, if something has my focus for five minutes, it's going to have my focus probably for five hours until I get to what I'm trying to get to. Uh, and I think that might be, a little bit of why I'm like uh, a little timid to dive into a new video game constantly, like a casual one, because I know when I start mm. it, I'm going to want to finish it. And like, sure. I want to invest that entire time. I kind of wish I could just be like, you know what? I'll play for a couple hours or I'll play for 30 minutes and I'll call it a day. You know, it would be really nice. Um, and obviously I could grow and do that as a person, I think. But, uh, but yeah, like I, I, that's just how I'm wired. Like I love being able with gaming and other things. I I love being able to figure stuff out and stuff like that. So I've taken this completely off of video games and putting it on puzzles entirely. (laughs) But yeah, like that's just when I game, that's kind of what I do. It's like, I'm always 
thinking, how can I do this to the maximum potential, I guess is a way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I think that's all really interesting. I, there are so <laughs> many similarities between the two of us and, and also with myself and her, but also I think the way that you and I enjoy and appreciate and engage with games is, is also like very different. Um, I, yeah. cause, cause I, I would say like, I also have trouble getting into new games. Uh, I do like to kind of know anything and everything about a game. If I'm going to take the time to invest in it, I kind of take an ownership over it. I feel like where it kind of becomes my game and I feel sort of responsible to like tell people about it or get them into it or, and, and, and to a certain extent kind of know everything about that game and maybe not like get all the achievements per se, but to like feel like I really have appreciated and, and have like an understanding of that game and kind of prophetize for it and, and tell people about it. Um, but I don't necessarily love like grindy games like that. I think mostly if I'm going to play a game, it's for more like escapism. I really mm -hmm. like RPGs, uh, open world games. Um, one of my favorite games of all time is Fallout New Vegas. I've put countless hours into that game. Uh, it's an excellent example of a game where you really kind of can play just about any character that you want. And the game really does allow you to to interact with the world in, in so many different ways. There's all of these different factions that you can either, you know, decide that you like and get them on your side or decide that you don't like them and kill them all. Yeah. And the game doesn't really prohibit you. Like a lot of games will, you know, if there's like a quest giver that uh, you, you know, is essential to the story, you can try all you want to kill them. But not only will they not die, but they will uh, forgive you and, you know, keep being your friend and allow you to finish the game. And not to say that I want to kill all quest givers. In fact, I normally play the games very much kind of on the rails, especially the first time. But it's that, like, knowing that you could and that things could change and, and that what you're doing actually matters and changes the world around you that mm -hmm. I find really enjoyable and, and really satisfying. Um so I love I love games like that, uh, but I've I've never wanted to like one hundred percent one. I think the only time I ever one hundred percented a game was Peggle, which I've talked about before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just got really, and I'm I'm gonna do this. I got really f***ing good at Peggle to the point where I could all clear every single level, and um, that was really satisfying. Like, and again, I felt like an ownership. Like, I felt like. This is so stupid, but I felt like I could walk into a crowd of people and be like, I am the best Peggle player in this entire crowd <laughs> and I could prove it. If anybody has That's an Xbox great. 360 and two controllers, I will prove to you that I am better at Peggle than you, <laughs> but I don't normally, and like, you know, I don't normally feel like that with, with most other games. That was like a kind of rare exception, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, that, you know, and even though we're trying not to talk about Rando, I, I feel compelled to to do that. With Rando, I think that's where a lot of my frustration with the game comes from, too, because, like, I do feel such an ownership over this game with the amount of time that I invest into it and how much we talk about it and having this show. And um, it's it's a huge part of my life, to be honest, whether I you know want it to be or not, which I, I do want it to be. Um, so it's frustrating that I'm not better at it. Like, I play so much, but I, I don't, like, go out of my way to practice. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't like commit to the strategies that I say that I'm going to, you know, there's always different stuff that, that comes up, but it, it can be, and, and I hear a lot of people say this, it's frustrating to not be 
better at this game or to stack up higher in the you, uh, you know against the community in terms of like finishing times and things when you play this game so much and i i know a lot of people are frustrated about that and i just want to take a quick moment to say i hear you i feel the same way it is frustrating and i think if you look at people who are brand new to this game very new like don't know anything that's kind of the perspective you you have to keep is compared to those people you're like a, an ALTTPR god and we just have a habit of comparing ourselves to people like Dante and Wayne and Ari who are like the best of the best um and uh, some people are just better at this game than others and just wired differently to be able to be really good at, at games like ALTTPR and rhythm games and RPGs like every every kind of game just kind of has its prodigies I guess you know it makes sense. I'm rambling now as well, but no, yeah. it's it's good because like just a lot of video game thoughts. It's kind of like yeah, if I think you're that's good. Like if you're playing something casually, that's uh like fine and dandy, you know. Like there's nothing wrong with that at all. But trying to be the best at something, um, without you know a little bit of blood, sweat, and tears, you know, metaphorically and maybe maybe literally, uh. I don't think anybody ever gets to, you know, the pinnacle or their or their maximum potential, let's say, whether it's the best or just kind of middle upper tier stuff like that. And, um, you know, it, it, I, there's games that I've wanted to be really good at. I remember playing Overwatch like I wanted to be when me and my friends played that I wanted to be good at it because I really enjoyed the game. I enjoyed having fun with it. Um, you know, obviously people you play with online are like super toxic rocket league was another example of kind of the same thing um i put a lot of hours into that you know getting good and and by today's standards i'm terrible because like of the new tech that they found in the game and stuff like that but like way back season one when it came out and and stuff like that i remember like hitting gold at one point which i think the highest level was platinum um, and grinding all the way up to gold and like all the, like this, the single player, the duel, like where it's two V two and three V three. Like I remember getting gold on all three of those and I felt like I had reached like the height and, uh, and that was not the case because when they started expanding the ranking system, I was very, very middle tier, uh, <laughs> as far as everything went. So, um, so yeah, it's it's kind of humbling, I guess, in a way, as mm -hmm. far as like competitive humbling. gaming goes. Absolutely. Yeah, I think with competitive gaming, as cliche as it sounds, but usually I find it's true. There's always going to be someone who's better than you. Oh yeah, uh, 100%. I, I think I've mentioned this before uh, in like the last episode or the episode before that. I used to play um, all three Quakes that used to come out competitively. The first one more casually. Uh, the second one and the third one, I, I played very competitively. And uh, I remember in, in Quake 2, I was with a clan that was also a bunch of real-life friends. And we were pretty good, I would say, you know. We were we were pretty confident and we did well. And then we played against one of the first German pro teams. They were called MTW. And they were like an actual pro team. Like, they got paid, they had sponsors. And this oh, was wow. like back, you know, in late 90s maybe or something like that mm -hmm. maybe early 2000s i don't remember the time frame exactly but we played against them and we didn't really think we'd win but we got our butts handed to us so thoroughly mm. i think at the end we were like we lost like 24 to minus two or something because if you fall in the lava or the acid mm. and you die it takes away one of your points 
So instead of actually just losing 24-0, we were actually at like 24-2. minus And it was a very humbling experience. And once again, you know, there's always going to be someone who's better than you. Mm -hmm. And when things like that happen, it's so easy to be like, well, it's a video game, whatever. It's, I don't even care. Like, these guys are losers if they think, you know, they're going to be good at a video <laughs> game and that that's going to bother me. But any time that you put effort into something you you're probably going to care about the result right like i was thinking about how upset i was that i forfeited last monday and it was like you know this is just a video game i could just like turn that part of my brain off and just enjoy my time with my wife and kid and watch a little bit of tv maybe have some ice cream like it's all just made up on the internet like there's no reason to feel real life feelings about this but i i think that's I don't think that's like a good way to, to look at it because it's a part of my life and I spend time on it and it's satisfying to be good at it. And I, I like to try and it feels good when you do pop a, a really low time or pull off a trick that you just learned that morning or whatever the case may be. I think it's good to feel those highs and lows, even though the uh, reaction a lot of times when you feel the, those lows is to just like pull away and to pretend like you don't care or alter the, you know, how you spend your time going forward. I think it's okay to, to feel that frustration because there's, you know, satisfaction on the other side of that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I mainly agree with that. I think as with everything in life, there needs to be a good balance of things. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's a good way to, to just be like, all right, I lost whatever. It's just a video game because that's a, as you were saying, you're investing time into this and it feels good to do well. And, uh, that's also no way to improve if every loss is just, eh, whatever, it's just a video game. Then you have no incentive to get better or to practice or to learn a new trick or whatever. But it also, at the same time, and I'm not, I'm not saying it did to you, but just in general, uh, it shouldn't, like, take over your brain for the rest of yeah. the day and, like, make you feel depressed and sad and awful that, oh, my God, I'm so bad at rando, my life is horrible. You know, there's more important <laughs> things in the end. Yeah, 2018 yeah. Dante and part of 2019 Dante, very, very guilty of that mentality. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I'll full on admit it. Like, I was just like, woe is me. I, I suck. I'm never going to be good. Like, I'm just starting out and I'm already not good. Like, I was mad. You know, and it, that, that accomplishes absolutely nothing. Um, when you're wired to want to do the best, though, like I think I think everyone who races competitively and has done so in rando for like more than a month or two is probably wired that way. It's like they just want to yeah. do their best, but they want their best also to be good enough to get those W's. So like mm -hmm. like here's an example. Like let, let's kind of backtrack this. I mentioned Rocket League. So back before they did like the RLCS, uh, I remember there was a player I followed, uh, Pashi Ninety. And they had a tournament um, that was, like, before, like, the official, like, you know, they had their own, like, the RLCS or whatever I was talking about. And um, it was a best of, like, nine. It was weird. It was a weird grand finals. Um, and they were, they were down. And, uh, you know, obviously these guys put in countless hours into the game, you know. So they were down in the final, and it was game nine. Uh, or they, they hit a game nine and then they were down and then managed to send it to overtime and then came back and won. I remember watching like a compilation video he put together on it uh, with like some like, you know, epic build up music in the background. 
And it was super cool to watch just because like the, the commentator had a lot of emotion in it. You know, the players admittedly later on had a lot of emotion and we see that kind of correlate, you know, like I, I think back to, uh, you know, excuses run where, you know, all the emotion kind of poured over once he got world record on linked to the past NMG. Uh, you know, when you invest so much time, effort and stuff into a video game, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's really nice to see the fruits finally come to fruition. But like, I do feel like for the majority of folks, sometimes myself included on this, um, we, we don't always get what we want, right? Like you kind of can't expect you're going to put the time in and definitely get something. It, yeah. it may not, it may not happen. But the, the thing is, if you're having fun with the grind, uh, that's what you need to focus on. Like, I don't think you need to do it because you feel obligated to. And that's where I think video games are really nice because every grind I've put in as terrible as they sound, I legitimately had fun doing it. My emotions may have gone from, I can't believe this happened, you know, cause I didn't get a perfect on that step in DDR or whatever. And then I had to redo the song again to try again. But when it all kind of came, when it, when it all kind of comes through, like even trying to practice it, I do have, I, I genuinely do have fun doing that. So, you know, I, I would say if you're, if you're going to grind stuff like we're, we've got on this tangent of now and, stuff like that. I, I have fun doing it, you know? Like if you're not having fun, I don't think it's probably worth your time, you know? Like I don't think you're going to be able to fully appreciate uh what happens, you know, whatever does happen at the end of your journey, so to speak. Um all right, well I guess we should probably wrap this up. We're kind of getting to about that time. Before we do, we did have a couple more subs who submitted some of their uh games they enjoy spending time with. Kind of related to uh playing a game but also being bad at it. We had uh Esper Hub, Herf's Cocom from the last PWS uh submit this. They said, "Dota 2. I get to watch the dumpster fire matches I have and think my life is not all so bad compared to how bad my carry is playing with a god-awful item build. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. I don't know what a carry is. I've never played Dota. I've never watched Dota. <laughs> Sounds like fun, though, so I, I wish you the best. Yeah, I sort of, I can sort of, you know, undecipher, like decipher what all this means, but not really. I'm also not a huge MOBA fan in general, I have to say. MOBAs are hard. Yeah, absolutely. But they're really hard, and those are yeah. like, like especially Dota. Uh, I won't go on like a huge tangent because I haven't played a lot and I don't know a lot. But I just remember watching like the international. Uh, I think that's what it's called for like the main Dota tournament with some friends, and they were just like, "So yeah, like this match is at the like two and a half hour mark," and I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like they've been going at it <laughs> for two and a half hours. You know, you know, I get it with Rando, but that's kind kind of how I'm wired. But like. Dota is you talk about a time investment that's a time investment and that takes a lot of coordination with multiple people it's it's super fun to watch a high competitive level play of that yeah I just don't have the bandwidth in my life like we just spent so much time talking about the games that we do play and like we're already we're even cutting that conversation short to try to include <laughs> a bunch of games that yeah. I have, have no like awareness of I just I don't have the capacity uh, but shout out, I mean yeah, more power to, to people that do. And then uh, we also had Verts505 write in and say that there are several games that they're into, at least according to their speedrun.com profile. Uh, but he says, I've most enjoyed investing time in Odalis The Dark Call. Uh, 
It was the third speed run that I learned and what I'm particularly proud of. The atmosphere and challenge are awesome. So I wasn't really familiar with this game other than hearing Verts kind of randomly mention it offhand a, a few times in the past. And I looked it up and it's like a uh, Castlevania-like mm-hmm. almost kind of game. I It's not what I was expecting at all, but it actually looks pretty cool. I, it is, I played that too. casually, and uh, it's it's a fun game. And this also kind of—I'm not sure if you're through with the the sub questions, but I have a, a question for you guys, sort of to take us out in a way. That's the last one, yeah. All right. So uh, speaking of Odalis, uh, I guess I'll I'll go first, even though that's a little rude. But I was going to ask you guys: Do you have a favorite genre of video games where you would say, "All right, this is probably like." Maybe, you know, not all of what I play, but this is definitely my favorite genre. And uh, for me, that's Metroidvanias. Mm. I think I have almost every game on Steam that has the Metroidvania tag, and I've played them all because I'm such a sucker for them. And uh, Odalis is definitely one of them. And uh, it was was a fun game. So yeah, for me, Metroidvanias. Now, uh, what's your guys's? Hmm. That is tough. Like I said, I I like platformers. Um, I do like puzzle games. Uh, I've logged uh, hundreds of hours in Tetris because I like to just set that up on my Switch on the small screen Mm -hmm. while I watch TV, especially if it's something that you mostly just need to listen to and not really watch. Um, uh, Yeah, so I I like Tetris, Tetris, other puzzle games like that. Tetris Attack, I've talked about. I've, I've gotten to a pretty high level on that. That's very fun. But I think if I had to pick a favorite genre of games i'm tempted to say like rpg or open world but i think what i really enjoy are puzzle games with like set answers if you've ever played a game like the witness Mm -hmm. which is just a bunch of puzzles and you complete them and they all have like set solutions and i'm thinking specifically of the game super mario maker which i just kind of recently realized i watch a lot of like mario maker content like on youtube and I think the reason I like it so much is it reminds me of an old game I used to really like called uh, The Incredible Machine. Do you guys ever oh, play that yeah. one? Oh, yeah. Those were great. I, yeah, no other. yeah, I just love like the construction element of a puzzle where you build a puzzle and then someone else solves a puzzle or you have to solve like a half put together puzzle. Uh, I love getting my brain going like that. And there, there are levels that are like one screen puzzles in Super Mario Maker that very much have that vibe. And uh, not to say that I love to play them so much, but like I could just watch that kind of stuff all day. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So probably just as far as genres go, uh, Metroidvanias are definitely a close second for me. Um, but a game genre that I could probably lose hours and hours in just mindlessly doing fun stuff uh, is kind of like sandbox adventure, like nonlinear gameplay type stuff. So mm-hmm. qu- quick examples like the Just Cause series, um, you know, Grand Theft yeah. Auto. Uh, granted, I haven't played yes. either of those that much recently, but I just remember like finding like Just Cause 2 as a demo on PS3 way back. And I had no idea what the series was, was blown away at just like how much like destruction you could do, stuff like that. You know, it was just it was like mindless fun for for hours. Um and, uh, you know, th- those type of genres probably are my favorite just for, like, you know, feeling immersed, but at the same time, like, you know, just having 
fun not doing yeah. anything, so to speak, in a way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's my real answer to honestly in terms of hours spent i i really do love open world games i've been playing a lot of watchdogs too that one Mm -hmm. is super fun you can like hack into the city that's great um the hitman games i've also been playing a lot of those that they honestly are open world even though you wouldn't think so you really can walk around the map and do whatever the hell you want and it's it's super fun and, and and satisfying um, you know, I mentioned the Fallout games, GTA. I, I love those games. Red Dead Redemption. I've played a ton of oh, those. Man. Uh, both of those games. So good. So yeah, yeah. That those are those are amazing as well. Um, cool. Okay. Well, I guess with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, email at gomopodcast.com if you want to send us a question or a message of some sort. If you want to comment on the show, um, we also have our Discord where you can reach out to us, chat with us about Binding of Isaac and rhythm games and RPGs and whatever you want. We're we're there to we're there to hang out and talk um we since we did uh just like general video game shout outs throughout the entire episode i thought maybe we could do like quick rando shout outs here to kind of like flip the script a little bit um i can go yeah first you start to i want to know what a baseline of what we want to shout out in rando okay all right um i am going to shout out uh finding french vanilla progression and not having it be in the last location <laughs> oh, God. i like that like yeah like flippers in uh like on zora or you know the bow in eastern stuff like that um I'll, I'll shout out to linear seeds that are a better baseline of quantifying qualifiers uh of which we have had like a hot zero in this main <laughs> tournament so um, yeah. uh, that's 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 my shout out because those those usually are longer and the scores are not as varied. <laughs> Fair. All right, I'll subvert expectations here and I'll shout out Ari again for getting an NMG PB of one twenty three fifteen, which, as far as I know, is like twelve seconds off world record and so crazy in my head. He's wow. hot on the heels of taking the world record. I'd say I'm sure he definitely disagree with me there, but I'm I'm sure he'll he'll get it at some point. It, it's just a matter of time. My favorite thing Excellent. of watching that from him, I got to plug this, was like the next day while I'm working. He was his stream title was okay post PB disaster time or something, and so he's playing <laughs> NMG again, and he he obviously didn't have a a, a good airy run. We'll say. Because he died to to moth, but even with the moth death, I think, and some other like things that went wrong, he ends up with like a one twenty five, and I'm just like, this is <laughs> insane. So mm-hmm. uh, I agree with with her. If I think he's he's hot on the heels, like I think he can do it. Awesome. Okay, well that is going to do it for this episode of Go Mode. Thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed your time here. Uh, I have been Timp on behalf of my co-host Dante and Herfie Durfee. Let's go ahead and mirror out. Mm-hmm.